everyone. Welcome to another episode of What is a Podcast. The podcast that has seen the last dance is finally here. And that's a lot of what I'm going to be talking about. I feel like we've hit sort of a low point in like news. I mean, there's things like you know, the protests and people are getting tired of staying inside and people think that their rights are being infringed upon. And listen, I think you should stay inside. I also realize that as an introverted person, it's easier for someone like me to stay inside than an extroverted person. Like extroverted people, they thrive on, you know, those interactions. And They're not getting as much of those interactions, at least not in person. So I get it. It's harder for some people to stay inside than others. People also are not working and the money's getting fucked up. So when the money is not what it used to be, that's going to cause some stress. And people want the life that they had to go back to normal. They want to open up the country. And I get that. And I think... And I've said this for a while. We got to do more of the Andrew Yang stuff. We got to give people the money, right? We got to have people living somewhat like they used to, right? And I don't know how the Andrew Yang philosophy works out over time. I don't know how universal basic income, like if that's sustainable over time or if it actually changes anything over time, like if it was something that we had just like as a regular thing, I don't know how effective it would be. But right now, when no one has money, you you gotta give the people some money, right? And is why well, I, I got my twelve thousand, not twelve thousand, my one thousand two hundred dollar check. I got it, right? And that means I make less than seventy five thousand a year. Who who the fuck cares? No one cares, but the people who care, like those like snobby types, those are the people that care whatever. But I got that check. And I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna tuck that away, because I'm fortunate enough to still be making money right now. So I'm gonna tuck that away, right? And just and just have it there in case of emergencies, like a big red button that I need to push, right? But even with that check, because again, $1,200 is in the grand scheme of things, not a lot of money, right? It's, it's a lot of money to get for not working like it's a lot of money to get for free like all at once like if i was just on the street and a random stranger just gave me twelve hundred dollars like yeah then it's a lot of money but in the grand scheme of things when you have to pay for rent when you have to pay for other assorted bills and when you have to you know eat it's not it doesn't last that long if you budget it you can you can spread it out for a while right if you you know lean on things and you like sort of spread it out that's fine right you can spread it out for a while but it's not a lot of money right and if we got 1200 a month which i think we might have to do or i think there are some rumblings of 2000 a month right cool that's fine right give people a little less anxiety over the economy, which you fucked up by throwing money, throwing trillions of dollars at basically nothing, like 
burning trillions of dollars essentially and um yeah fucking the economy up that way if we we didn't do that maybe we can get some more money to the people who you know actually drive the economy um and then maybe maybe things will work out but for now the economy is creating anxiety and i'm not an economist i can't claim that i know a whole lot about the economy or anything like that i just know that people are worried right and when people are worried they're gonna do things like protests and i think a lot of these protests are right wing and i am not right wing right i'm also you know fortunate to be working but those people seem to think that the people who are protesting largely seem to be you know right wing this largely think that the the virus or the disease is a hoax they largely seem to believe that we could open up and it's fine and to those people who are listening and they're probably not but whatever it's just like look if you do what you're planning on doing like people are going to get sick and potentially die and if you do that and people get sick and potentially die then 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 what right what like i think for some people it's like they don't know anyone who has a disease like i don't know anyone personally who has a disease so if you don't know anyone who has a disease your only proof is what the news is telling you and what you know the twitter and facebook is telling you right so if you only believe that and you already distrust those things and you already think that the liberals are going to create hoaxes and the liberals are just out to witch hunt Donald Trump. If you think that, I don't think that, to be clear, I feel like whenever I like do podcasts and I like talk like that, I have to make sure like when I'm saying things that other people think and not things that I think that I just have to like clarify that I don't think that right? I don't think these things. But if you're one of those people who thinks that people are just out to get Trump and Trump is good in your eyes and you think that trump is telling the truth all the time whatever i can see why you would protest in the streets but when you get sick or when the country opens back up and then has to close again because people are still getting sick then i think then you'll realize and i i don't want more people getting sick for people to realize that it's a problem that's not what i want but I think that might be where it goes or where it's a potential landing spot for this whole thing is like people think it's all good country opens up and then once the country opens up we have to close it again because we didn't do it right the first time and then we have to keep on sort of like starting and stopping until we get it right and again that's like the least desirable outcome at least for me Maybe you want an open country and you want more people to die just so we can push through this thing faster. I think that's kind of evil, but that might be what you want. Um, But other than that, like in like Donald Trump and Joe Biden and all those things, I haven't talked so much about Joe Biden, largely because I don't know about Joe Biden. Like, I feel like Joe Biden has sort of ascended politically despite being largely unremarkable, at least unremarkable in 2019-2020, like Joe Biden's policies, not a clue, right? And Joe Biden, you know, has he impressed me? No. Joe Biden, like, at least 
you know, public speaking wise has seemed largely to be incoherent and yet he's still ascended politically and it just doesn't make much sense. Those two things don't seem to add up. Like no one is clear on Joe Biden's policies. Like no one I see or no one I talk to can like name a Biden policy. A lot of people think that he cannot speak clearly, like he can't convey his ideas clearly. And what do politicians need? They need, you know, ideas and they need to communicate those ideas. And Joe Biden seems to be devoid of all of those things. And it, and even despite that, he's the guy that's likely going to have to go head up against Donald Trump. I don't think Bernie is technically out yet, but he's not com- campaigning anymore. But it, it's, it's Biden. And I don't know how to feel about that. Maybe maybe he, he surprises me and he comes through with something solid in like debates or whatever. But I don't know. Anyway, other than that, there's not a whole lot from from my end, or at least from what I'm seeing, that's like sort of relevant besides the last dance, which I do want to talk to to you about and some other things, you know. But there was a couple interesting things. One is this sort of rise of pyramid schemes. There's like an Instagram pyramid scheme, and I haven't seen too much of it like from the actual people I follow, which I'm thankful for. Because if it's from the actual people that I follow, then then they might target me, you know? Like they might try to recruit me for the pyramid scheme. And then I'm going to have to be like, yo, this is a pyramid scheme. You don't want to do that. And pyramid scheme people, like, they tend to think that they're like making moves and they're like investing or starting their own business or something dumb like that and then it's just like i feel bad because it's dumb but i also deem it to be dumb so how bad can i feel like you knew what you were doing or at least i think you know what you were doing and i don't know there's a conflicting emotions there but this pyramid scheme from what i've seen on mostly twitter is literally just a pyramid Like, it's not anything, like, underhanded. There's no, like, subterfuge here. They're just, like, saying, yo, put money in, move up the pyramid, and then eventually you'll be at the top of the pyramid. But there doesn't seem to be any type of, like, you know, knives to sell, no energy drinks, no, you know, health supplements. It doesn't seem to be anything like that. It's just literally giving people money. And then... If you give people money and then recruit people to give money, then you move up once you do the whole giving people money thing, which is literally a pyramid. And it seems to be successful. I've, I see people who are doing, who are, you know, doing it, who are coming, you know, through and talking to people, like getting them to join the whole scheme. And it's lit, like, it's actually a scheme, right? Because I've seen, like, people I'm close to, people that I know, get involved in pyramids before, pyramid schemes before. And a lot of times, their defense is that it's a pyramid, but it's not a scheme. But this pyramid scheme seems to be a scheme, or their defense is it's a scheme, but not a pyramid. But it's very clearly both a scheme and a pyramid, 
right? And I wish that this pyramid scheme was something other than pyramid scheme, but it seems to literally just be a pyramid scheme. I feel like if you don't know, and I'm just like saying pyramid scheme, you're not going to know where to look. You're not going to know where to look this up. But you know what? I'm going to do this right now. I'm going to Google Instagram pyramid scheme. If you hear me typing, I don't know, Instagram pyramid scheme 2020. Yep. All right. There are, it is there. So just Google Pyramid Scheme 2020, you'll find that shit, right? But it seems to arise out of nowhere and people are passing it around, people are sharing it, but it just seems to me that it's that easy to get people. Like there's no underhanded anything. There's no trickery here. It's literally join this pyramid scheme, but we're not calling it a pyramid scheme. And the first rule of any pyramid scheme is to not call it a pyramid scheme because pyramid schemes are very actually illegal. So if you call it a pyramid scheme, you've already, you know, fumbled your bag, so to speak, right? But the pyramid scheme is out here. People are falling for it. And I think that that really shows how bad this pandemic is because people are, you know, chomping at the bit for money, right? And this one disease is just torpedoed the economy. It's ruined a lot of jobs and a lot of businesses are not going to come back from this. Like a lot of, you know, the food places, especially like the restaurant industry is going to be, you know, hit hard from this or it's already being hit hard from it. But those are the places that are not going to last very long. Um, or, are in danger of not going to be lasting very long. New businesses as well, like a lot of new businesses, unless they're like integrated with the online stuff. I don't see how a new business is going to really weather this storm without like laying off employees or anything like that. Um, Online businesses seem to be doing okay. Um, And like the streaming industry seems to be doing okay. I still haven't checked out Quibi. I should probably do that. Um, but the streaming industry seems to be okay. Although one thing I'm not doing, one thing I'm not doing is listening to podcasts. I might've done this or I might've said that on a previous episode, but I think I figured out why I'm not listening to podcasts because normally like I would have a commute, like when I would work from where I live and I would go to San Francisco, like any way you cut it, whether you go by boat, whether you go by car, whether you go by, you know, public transportation, San Francisco is at least an hour away, right? So going to San Francisco from where I live is definitely, you know, podcast worthy, like it's a podcast worthy road trip. And right now, well, before this whole thing happened, I would drive at least 45 minutes to get to work, right? And then I don't work in San Francisco anymore, if that wasn't clear. But I'm going 45 minutes to go to work, right? 45 minutes one way, and then there's less traffic at night, so it's like 40 minutes coming back. But that's like a podcast, right? And I would, you know, walk to different restaurants. Again, restaurants that may not be there after this pandemic. Hopefully, they are still there. Um, The community that I work in, that I'm not a part of, but like the community that I see, right? 
is you know middle class to upper middle class um which still puts them in danger that's like furlough territory like i feel like middle class people are just gonna get like rocketed by the furlough industry furlough industry that seems wrong but anyway but the people there are not struggling it's not like a a low income community so going out there i hope that they're you know doing what they can with like the doordash and the uber eats and all that stuff to to really give us or give them some support in this time you know what i mean um but going there 45 minutes as a podcast i would walk to get food that's you know more podcasts more music if i'm interested in music you know walk back you know all that stuff but now i have no commute at all right no commute zero commute i my commute is walking to a computer so since i have no commute where is the podcast time i have all this time mind you right because you know you wake up and you don't just wake up normally and roll out of bed and go to work unless you work from home regularly right but since i have all that time i could spend all that time listening to podcasts but i'm not because i'm not used to it right i'm not used to you know just having all this free time to do nothing like i don't sit and do nothing and listen to podcasts that makes absolutely no sense to me right like i'm not gonna sit on the couch just headphones on listening to a podcast when i'm listening to a podcast i'm doing something else right if i'm not driving if i'm not public transporting if i'm not walking i'm doing something else i have something else to to manage my time with right but now since i don't have that what am i doing i'm not i'm not listening to podcasts as much as i once did and on top of that like depending on the work you do like you can listen to a podcast while you're doing work but right now in the job that i'm doing it's basically like hours and hours and hours of video chat right so i can't listen to podcasts while video chatting that's not gonna work right i have to be on i have to be talking i can't be distracted and i can't be on a podcast so my actual podcast listening experience has been lacking which sucks because there's actually like more podcasts than ever it seems like people are starting podcasts people are doing podcasts people are doing special editions of their podcasts like they're putting out more stuff because they have more time to do more stuff right and some people are you know the quality is lower but they're they're able to put out more stuff bonus episodes different types of content like the possibilities are becoming more and more endless with the podcast and podcasting in a lot of ways is still an experimental field it's still the wild west of sorts but with with all that said there's so much more there's so many podcasts and so little time even though i have more time than ever it feels like i have to push through all the podcasts that i miss like if i subscribe to like espn daily for example great podcast espn daily like 20 30 minutes every morning all that stuff right i miss out on espn daily episodes because it's not part of my routine anymore 
And then I have to push through like five ESPN Daily episodes. And it's like, this isn't how I want to consume ESPN Daily. I want to consume ESPN Daily daily. I want to sort of start my day while I'm getting ready for work. I would listen to ESPN Daily, but now my whole schedule is upside down and I still don't even know. Like I'm trying my best, but I still am adjusting to this whole thing. Even me, an introvert who doesn't have a huge problem staying inside, but I do have a problem with you know, adjusting the routines and making sure everything is still, you know, squared away at the end of the day. That's where my problems are, right? But podcasting and music too, like I haven't streamed as much music. I've been like dicking around on my phone still. I'm still on Twitter and Instagram and stuff. But the actual like streaming stuff when in theory streams should go up, I'm going down and I don't think I'm alone in that regard, right? But in that whole thing, we have the one thing that we have been, you know, prospering on. And that's Netflix and Hulu and all the other streaming services. Netflix is the one industry besides like people who do like at home fitness and people who can work from home. Netflix is the one industry that really just can really just kick back put their feet up and do all that stuff, right? TV is having a moment, right? Or on-demand TV is having a moment. And I've been watching Royal Pains on Netflix. I don't know where Royal Pains aired originally. Um, It's eight seasons. I'm on season two. I'm getting through it and I do enjoy it. There are a couple of things I don't enjoy. Like I'm not the medical drama person And Royal Pains is, in addition to a comedy, a medical drama, right? It's about a doctor who serves rich people in the Hamptons. And then, you know, hilarity ensues, but also drama. And my problem with medical drama is not the drama. It's the medical. I don't like seeing all of the medical stuff. So I'll look away or I'll look down on my phone when, like, some extra medical stuff is happening. And then I'll look back. And I am enjoying it, as you know, because it's comedy with drama, with romance, and basically that's all I need, right? I need a comedy that will make me chuckle, I need a drama that'll keep me invested, and I need a romance to make me cry. That's all I need in a show. And Netflix does a really great job of that. Royal Pains is not a Netflix original by any means. It came out before, I believe, there was references to like 2008 in 2009 in Royal Pains and they made a reference to 2015 as like being super far in the future so it was before all this streaming bullshit happened but I do like it there is a cup another thing that bothers me about Royal Pains and it's not the biggest deal but it is something that I noticed being a black person and that is that in Royal Pains there will be Like, one of the characters, without spoiling anything, just in case, one of the characters will, like, be interested in a woman, um, and then they'll be, like, trying to get the woman's number, trying to flirt, all that stuff. The woman will say they have a boyfriend, and then they'll be like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. The boyfriend will come, and the boyfriend will be large and black, a big black boyfriend. And then the character 
gets scared. The character who is white gets scared. And the woman who they're talking about, who is also white, is not scared and all that stuff. And I get the idea that the boyfriend is bigger and stronger than the main character. And he's intimidated. I understand that. I understand the joke. I feel like the race implication wouldn't have been a big deal if it didn't happen twice in within two seasons it happened twice where it's like this guy is big but he's also black and then the then the main character is scared of this like bigger black person and it's like okay i see what you're doing here you're playing on race a little on the nose here royal pains but it was also like 2009 I don't know if that means that it's forgivable. Um, I don't think that's what it means. But it is like, okay, maybe this was acceptable at the time. In 2008, 2009, I was a freshman in high school. I was, you know, not as smart as I am today. So maybe back then it was acceptable. And I just didn't think about it in that way. And now I'm thinking about it in that way. I'm like, that's kind of tough to play on the race so on the nose in that way but that little minor instance it happened two times so it's not super minor but that little instance like okay that's weird but i am invested in the show and it's eight seasons it's gonna be a journey it's gonna have ups and downs so i'm in it i'm in royal pains i'm gonna do it and also what we have to talk about the main thing of today it's also 4.20 when I'm going to post it, so um, shout out to Weed. Um, yeah, 4.20 is not going to be great this year, and it was supposed to be the greatest 4.20 ever. This isn't the star of the show. The star of the show is The Last Dance, but I got distracted. But for all you like weed smokers out there, like people who like love weed, and you know, like, you know the people that like love weed. Like there are people who smoke weed, and then there are people who are like really into weed. And then there are people who like don't smoke normally, but like will smoke sometimes. And then there are like the people who love weed. And the people who love weed are still going to get high on 420. I don't have any issues with that. But it's got to suck, right? Like the people who are going to smoke on 420, the people who are into weed in that way weed is not amazing to me like it never really has been but some people weed is amazing for them and they're gonna have the worst 420 ever or at least i assume is gonna be the worst 420 ever because you're not gonna be able to hang out with your friends like that so you're gonna be like blowing smoke onto your computer screen while you're in a zoom call and it's it's gonna be bad i'm i feel for you people that love weed just know that my thoughts and prayers go out to you um but anyway the last dance if you don't know what the last dance is it's the michael jordan documentary that's being put out by espn early because of the pandemic it's 10 parts as of recording there have been two parts released right and i feel like this is something that like we can watch along together on social media like the good old days like it's 2009 and we're just live tweeting and no one is putting anything into threads we're just tweeting we're just watching along to this cultural event right because i was born in the mid 90s i don't have much of a recollection of michael jordan right he was still playing when i was alive right like he was still on the bulls in like 1997 when i was like 
three, four, you know. He was still active when I was alive. And he was still, you know, Michael Jordan. But I don't have, like, the consciousness of him in his prime. I have, really, Jordan on the Wizards is where my idea of Michael Jordan sort of starts, right? He comes back, he's on the Wizards, all that stuff, right? And I don't think this documentary is going to talk too much about that. It seems focused on 1997 and 1998. But seeing a whole bunch of people, like, tweet at the same time and tweeting like is 2009 because now in twitter in 2020 you can like put your tweets into threads and you can like really hyper localize your tweets about a subject right like when i was watching love island usa i didn't want to like just bombard the timeline with a bunch of disjointed tweets so if i was live tweeting i just put it in a thread so that if you're interested in the topic you can go to the thread and you don't have to, you know, read everything about things that you're not interested in. And if I go off for 30 tweets in an hour, I'm not just like bombarding you with anything that you're not going to want. Right. So with this, we're not doing threads. We're using hashtags like we're using the last dance and all that stuff. But we're not or from what I saw from episodes one and two, we weren't as a society, like tweeting in these hyper localized threads, we're just sending out our thoughts out, sending the memes out, all that stuff. And it just, you know, it felt like a throwback to to the old days, to the old days of Twitter, when there was no rules, and you can do a whole lot of things. And now there are some rules. And Twitter is still fun. But it's it's just a different experience now. It's not better or worse, just different. And we went back to a different older feeling time and the documentary itself the first two parts anyway were pretty interesting because there was a lot of things i didn't know like and then spoilers for the documentary whatever but scotty pippen being underpaid like scotty pippen was massively underpaid while he was with the bulls and scotty pippen was the second best player on the bulls besides michael jordan during that time and like seeing how underpaid he was and knowing that like professional athletes salaries are public knowledge right which makes people who get paid what they're worth or what they're not worth you know all the more ridiculous or not ridiculous it's like okay this was public knowledge back then so people had to have known that then but like revisiting that and people who were definitely alive back then like relearning that and people learning that for the first time and like feeling super bad for Scottie Pippen who got essentially bullied in the NBA at points like when he came to the league and Charles Oakley was with him and Charles Oakley like literally slapped Scottie Pippen in the face and then Scottie Pippen like you see in the documentary like Scottie Pippen like was like I cannot take this anymore. This is really just getting more and more out of hand and I need to stand up for myself. And Scottie Pippen starts standing up for himself. And then you see people like Michael Jordan himself saying like, look, Scottie Pippen was being selfish in that moment. But was he really or was he just tired of being disrespected in the National Basketball Association? I think it's the latter, right? There's going to be more parts of the documentary to prove or disprove what I just said, but it's like, okay, like poor Scotty Pippen, 
right? And then you see like sort of like Michael Jordan's mentality, which we already knew, like you don't get to be the best player or the best in your field without a little bit of ridiculousness, without a little bit of like competitiveness that alienates you from other people. Like I spend a whole lot of time in my life not alienating people, like trying to be like as, you know, easy to get along with as possible so when you have someone like a michael jordan who wants to be the best player ever and ended up achieving that goal right there has to be some type of abnormal competitive mean streak in you to be able to achieve that goal and michael jordan we see it in the documentary a little bit Whereas like he's working harder than anyone else works. He's willing to play through an injury. He's willing to get the risk versus the reward. He's willing to get that reward despite one of the risks being, you know, ending your career prematurely because of an injury. And he's he's all about it, right? I mean, we haven't gotten to like a whole lot of Michael Jordan gambling. We haven't gotten a whole lot of Michael Jordan's dad. We have gotten Michael Jordan's siblings so far. And it's just really interesting to see a figure who is a larger than life figure and someone who I know through his personality now as like a 50-year-old man and sort of his personality as a sneaker design mogul someone who like smokes cigars and plays golf, but not someone who I actually really knew as a basketball player, right? I didn't know Michael Jordan as a basketball player. Like growing up, I knew fucking Jason Richardson, Baron Davis, Andres Biadrins, you know, Kalina Azubuke, like Ike Diagu. Like that was my basketball world was like Jason Richardson dunks, you know? That was like the height of what I watched and then Michael Jordan and like this great player I like just missed the cutoff for right so seeing that and seeing him like go off in a game for 63 points in a playoff games against the Celtics and Larry Bird which had Larry Bird was Hall of Famer and they had three other Hall of Famers on that team right and seeing just like the intensity right even though it's like low quality film when he's actually playing but like seeing the intensity and seeing how they describe everything, right? How Michael Jordan describes, like saying, like, I went ballistic. I was going off for as many points as possible. I wanted to destroy the defender. Seeing him describe it like that is really interesting. It was also interesting to me was how well that people remembered the games, right? They were, because they talk about Michael Jordan's college years and how well people remembered those college games like part of me was like they don't really remember this right they don't really remember like you're like 50 you don't and you've played like literally thousands of games of nba basketball you don't remember this one college game like this there's no way and i thought to myself maybe they watched the game beforehand and then had jogged some memory like before they sat down to do the interview they like watched the game or watch highlights of the game or whatever i don't know but the memory of the game and like some of the details of the game or of the games in particular that they talked about, that was rather surprising to me as well. Um, but overall, like ESPN promised a good documentary and they delivered on a good documentary because I like knowing 
Michael Jordan didn't get hurt in the way that they feared he might get hurt because he broke his foot once. He came back from that and they were worried about a career ending foot injury for Michael Jordan, right? Knowing that he didn't actually end his career that way, I was still worried that Michael Jordan was going to end his career that way. And I was like, wait, I had to stop myself. I was like, wait, no, that's not going to happen that way because everything that's being talked about has already happened. Right. But they made me believe as a viewer that this bad thing could happen. I was like, okay, this is good. And truthfully, I don't think I like documentaries. Like I don't watch very many of them. And I think maybe, and this is just a theory, like a lot of the popular documentaries are about things that are really actually disturbing, like about like serial killers or like serial molesters or like just like people who are antisocial in a way that's detrimental to other people. And I don't really like that. I'm not a recreational disturber. Like I don't disturb myself for fun, right? At least not usually. I did watch Tiger King and Tiger King got disturbing at points, but I think I don't like documentaries that deal with that type of stuff. Maybe I'm okay. Like I've seen some 30 for 30 and all that stuff, right? But I think when I'm not disturbed, documentaries are okay. I still don't prefer documentaries to sort of other forms of entertainment, but they do. ESPN, I think, is one of the best companies when it comes to documentary making, right? Even though you might not like sports, right? And the documentaries that ESPN do are obviously going to be about sports. I think that ESPN is like the some of the best documentary film making out there like i don't think people would disagree with that right and i think i've been spoiled or i'm going to be spoiled by this but this documentary is really good right and we haven't gotten to like some of the juicy stuff like we have michael jordan saying like fuck these guys like I'm the best on the team. Like, you know what I'm doing. Also, Michael Jordan was making an exorbitant amount of money, right? When when Scottie Pippen was getting massively underpaid, like he was like the sixth ranked person on his team in terms of pay. And he was like below 100 when it came to pay in the NBA, right? Michael Jordan was making $30 million and Scottie Pippen was making like $2 million. Like, how does that even work? That makes no sense and of course like in today's nba that probably wouldn't happen because you know social media backlash and back then there was no social media there was media right but media cycles come and go right social media and like they'll be like hey remember three years ago when you said that you know these people were bad and shouldn't have rights and then and then you'll get like canceled multiple times over or people will at least be reminded multiple times over. It doesn't happen in or it didn't happen back then. Or I imagine things were different back then. Like the you get cycled in, cycled out. Michael Jordan just happened to be one of the most famous people on the planet. So he gets cycled in and then he stays in, right? But Scottie Pippen making so little compared to Michael Jordan. And not saying they should have been paid the same. But they could have been paid the same, right? And that 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 was absolute like p- 
partly funny, partly like, oh, this is who Michael Jordan is. Like, he wants to be on top, and he wants everyone to know who the top person is. And also, like, oh, you might not be aware of this. You might not be aware of how this stuff looks, right? Because when Michael Jordan is calling Scottie Pippen selfish, it's like, look at you, Michael Jordan, right? You get to be Michael Jordan. You get everything handed to you. Yes, you had to work to get to where you are. And it wasn't, you know, easy for Michael Jordan by any means. But you're Michael Jordan now. Like, as soon as you came to the NBA, you were Michael Jordan. That's one thing also I didn't realize was that as soon as Michael Jordan, like, hit the league, he was a superstar, like, right away. We don't always see that now. Like, we got it with LeBron, but it wasn't that way with Kobe, for sure, right? And it wasn't that way with Steph Curry, right? Durant, I think, was a pretty solid right away, right? Kevin Durant was... was was up there, right? And, you know, LeBron was up there. But most, like, even, like, Zion, we, we, we only got a smidgen of Zion this year. And Zion set the league on fire right away. But there's still questions about his sustainability. Like, Michael Jordan didn't have questions in that way, at least from the documentary. Again, I wasn't around to see it. But Michael Jordan didn't have the concerns Zion. Like, people are concerned about Zion's body. They're concerned about how long he's going to stay in the league at this level and play at this level, right? And people are thinking it might be short, right? But Michael Jordan, from what it seems, it doesn't seem like they had that concern for him. And I was like, okay, this isn't, I, I'm in, right? Next Sunday, I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch the Dennis Rodman episode, which has been promised, which is really, really cool. Um, Because Dennis Rodman himself probably one of the most interesting people to ever play in the NBA. So that'll be interesting. Um, And then the one after that, I guess, is going to be about other people. But overall, I think the main thing is that we're all in it together, right? We're all watching together. And we would have been watching together, quarantine or not, right? We're in quarantine now. But had this come out as planned, I think it still would have had the same effect, right? We would still be like, oh, this is a big deal because Michael Jordan has been a big deal for like 40 years at this point. So since Michael Jordan is a big deal, we would all, I think, be this way. I think it's just sort of heightened by quarantine in a way. Um, But yeah, I mean, other than that, stay inside, be safe, wash your hands still. Just because you're in the house doesn't mean don't wash your hands. Yeah, thank the essential workers that you come across. If you are an essential worker, um, good on you. Um, please be safe. I love you. Thank you for, for everything. Um, and yeah, I guess I will see you next week. Love you. Thanks for listening. Bye.